Thank you for tuning in to the best parenting show on the internet. Post Daily Dose. Hey there, Post Institute. This is Christy Saul, the co-founder, coming at you live with another episode of Post Daily Dose, the best little parenting show on the internet. It's the post. 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 Daily dose. <laughs> so I'm just, uh, you know, spending a little time waiting for folks to get logged in today. I'm going to plug these books real quick. Brian's book, From Fear to Love. We do still have that on promotion at feartolovebook.com. Then we have The Great Behavior Breakdown. Uh, this you can get at uh, postinstitute.com and also Amazon. And then we've got these bundled together on our website so you can get a little discount. And the newest edition from Fear to Love Workbook, which uh, just it really... Actually, this is such an ideal book. Uh, if you're doing parenting classes or if you've ever thought about doing parenting classes, I mean, of course, you can write your own curriculum, but why? Like, why? Why do all that when you've got this right here? In fact, within this workbook, there is a pre-test and a post-test. So, if you are looking at something that could be used, maybe a group of friends, maybe a church group, maybe you actually thought about doing a parenting group, um, and just just know that this is so well done. It, copy, it goes right along with the book. Um, of course, if you are doing a parenting class for parents whose children come from tough places, um, you know, you know, this is hard work, hard to work. This is hard to work and, uh, doing, doing a parenting class or a book study is a great start. And we know that, um, those families, y'all, Y'all are great. You're awesome. You're incredible. And some families need lots of love, lots of attention, lots of support, especially if they're changing paradigms. You know, that dominant story of parenting um, that tells us um, that the best way to change behavior is by pushing people away, either with punishment or consequences and rewards, things like that. And at the heart of everything, at the heart of it all, this parenting paradigm is all about connection. It's all about connection. It's all about understanding that as adults, we have a lot of influence. Um, when we're super stressed out, when our amygdalas are hijacked, we're really not in a very good place to provide the kind of connection that's going to help our children move through the moment. And so I just want to encourage you that if you're thinking of um, using our books to help other families, it's awesome and wonderful. And it's also just the beginning. So, um, and just, just like we're talking about relationship being the vehicle for our children, getting in relationship with other parents that you can walk this out with, um, can just be such a life changer. I mean, it is. So with that said, let me just tell you, I, I mean, literally it just popped in my head. Um, we have a book study, another book study session that's starting. I believe the start date is May the 17th, if that's on a Wednesday. And I believe it's uh, going to be an evening session. So 7 p.m. Central Standard Time. I will actually make sure I put a link in the comments 
to the book study for anyone who might be interested. So I just, I got this book today uh, in the mail uh, and it was kind of funny because the people who sent it happened to both be from Oklahoma and they didn't realize that we had the Post Institute right here in Oklahoma. They've been following our work for a long time. Um, and you know what? It's such a, it's such a good little book that I'm just, I'm going to read it to you. Um, I've done this before and I know you guys can't read the words on the pages because it'll be backwards, but I'll share the pictures too. Oliver Anderson lived on a hill with his father, his mother, and his pet penguin, Phil. He awoke and did chores like a good kid, then spent the day playing with his neighbor friend, Sid. So these are cute. The, the pictures are really cute. And um, you can tell that like maybe it's a really well done colored pen pencil and that's really precious too. I should mention the season. It was summer, you see. They had long days that were fun-filled and free. They'd put Phil on his harness, because, hey, safety first, then walked to the park at Hastings and Hearst. They would visit with friends and go down the slide, then take turns on the seesaw. It was Phil's favorite ride. Each day was quite pleasant. Each day was the best, till along came Mac, Mac Harper, the neighborhood pest. Mac was a bald kid with muddy brown eyes, and according to rumors, he ate tree frogs and flies. He had a big bump on his left shoulder. It started out small, then grew to a boulder. So, let's see what is going to happen. What was that thing? From where did it come? Well, don't ask old Mac, because he's... Oh, He's stupid and dumb. He doesn't know much, only knows how to hit and jump up and down in occasional fits. Ollie said, said, look, Max coming here. Let's get Phil and go. Her voice trembled with fear. But Oliver Anderson was not one to run. It was summer by golly and he meant to have fun. He would not run away nor shiver nor shake. He would make his face brave even if it were fake. Sid pulled, Phil, pu Sid pulled Phil closer, his harness held tight. Mac's face was cloudy like he wanted to fight. This seemed pretty scary. This looked really bad. Someone get help, call mom and dad. If truth should be told, Phil was okay, but Oliver Anderson didn't see it that way. His fear disappeared and he pushed Mac quite hard. This kind of anger caught him off guard. He was usually friendly, full of goodwill, but he loved his dear penguin. You don't mess with Phil. With no warning at all, Mac started to cry. His big stubby fingers wiped at his eyes. Our friends were confused by this big crying grump and the obvious growth of his weird looking bump. Why did you push me, Mac asked through his tears, and instead of anger, he showed worry and fear. Well, sputtered Ollie, you came after Phil. What should I do, just be quiet and still? Why are you so mean? What's wrong with you, Mac? The anguished response was, I didn't attack. <laughs> 
I once had a penguin. He was loyal and brave. He is no longer with me. I miss my friend Dave. I saw you with Phil and I felt very sad. I thought if I held him, I might not feel bad. Ollie and Sid were left without words. What was the meaning of what they'd just heard? The thought of old Mac with a heart that could fill, feel, <laughs> didn't make sense. It didn't seem real. The friends felt so sad for the pain that Mac bore. Sid's voice was quiet. Please, Mac, tell us more. Well, Mac began wiping his tears. Dave was my friend for so many years. We were always together, never apart, and when we were and when he went away, that loss hurt my heart. At first I was lonely and then I was sad, and after a while I always stayed mad. People decided I was a bad kid. They thought I'd be hateful, so that's what I did. They were so busy making assumptions and those negative thought thoughts caused the growth of this bumption. But I'm tired of this. I want it to end. I'm not a bad person. I just miss my friend. Ollie's heart softened and he knew Sid's did too. It became very clear just what they should do. Ollie said, Mac, it's quite clear to see you don't need a friend. But instead, you need three. Phil tugged on his harness and broke free from Sid. And can you just guess the next thing that he did? If you guessed he hugged Mac, then my friend, you guessed right. He leapt into his arms and squeezed him so tight. Mac was surprised and he felt himself smile. He hadn't felt so much joy in a while. Not wanting to wait one second more, Ollie and Sid turned the, turned the huggers to four. And what happened next? Well, what do you think? The bump on Mac's shoulder just started to shrink. The more he felt loved, the less he felt frightened. His troubles got smaller. His burden was lightened. Ollie stepped back with Phil now in his arms. He quietly said, Mac, we've done you some harm. Our words have been careless. We've been quick to judge. We formed our opinions and just wouldn't budge. The newfound friends talked the trouble thought the newfound friends talked the trouble had passed. Mac found a place to belong at last. He thought about Dave, and his throat had a lump. But despite the new tears, away went the bump, and with each passing day, no matter the weather, the sun seemed to shine when the four were together. Oliver Anderson in the Assumption Bumption by Daphne Talley, illustrated by Bethany, Bethany Dillard. So Daphne, thank you for sending me that book. I'll be honest, when I was reading the first part, I didn't like reading those words. I didn't like reading the words of saying that um, someone was stupid and dumb. Um... I didn't like reading words that said he ate tree, that people said he ate tree frogs and flies. <laughs> I didn't like reading that. But then 
Here's the truth. The reality is that's how assumptions look, isn't it? Assumptions look like that. Assumptions look like calling someone a bully just because all we know is their behavior. We don't know that they might have massive losses. Maybe they had a penguin named Dave who couldn't be with them. Maybe they've been moved away from their family. We don't know. We don't always know. I always like when I think about um, when I think about that. It takes me back to Seven Habits of Highly Effective People. And if you've not listened to that, it's really great. Um, Stephen Covey. It's old. It's been around a long time. But he tells a story about um, be about a father being on a subway with his two children, and his two children were just you know running amok, and. Um, Somebody, another adult is sitting next to him. And, you know, I, I can't really remember the details of how it came up. But the man says, yeah, please forgive my kids. I, I see they're running amok, but you know, we're coming from their mother's funeral. So, assumptions. We jumped a lot of times, and especially it's like, I don't know. It's like, I think a lot of times that the assumptions kids come to is because they hear adults talking or they may come home. Like I can imagine kids coming home from school and they're telling a story about this child or that child and how that person's behaving at school. And then the adults say, oh, he's just a bully. He stay away from him. Call me, get a teacher if you need help. Yeah, getting help is definitely a good thing. I'm not saying that that's not a good thing, but you know, uh, maybe instead of jumping to the he's just a bully, maybe you know, maybe we could even say, you know, well, maybe he's had a really hard day. Maybe he's having a hard life. Maybe it's been a hard year. A lot of people go through a lot of really hard things, and sometimes it makes them act not very nice. So I'm sorry that's happening. Hopefully, the adults can look out for you and keep you safe. Um, if you keep, if there keep being problems, let me know and we'll figure out a solution. Um, adults have to be involved. Um, adults, and if adults are bullying children, then that is the root of the issue. And that is certainly something that we have to address as a culture. But to me, what really got me in this story was when the kids then said, you know what, we have done you a disservice we did not take the time to get to know you. And now that we understand differently, we can relate differently. And isn't that like, even in the adult world, like I was having an exchange with a mom just the other day and she was like, you know, my son's teacher literally said, when are we going to quit using trauma as an excuse for this child's behavior? Like, talk about a major gap in understanding how trauma affects the brain, how it affects the structures of the brain, the hormones in the brain, the neurotransmitters, the efforts that it takes for, I mean, just think about the effort it takes for that kid just to go to school. And he's all, I mean, it's been a rough year. This year has been crazy, right? This whole school year has been crazy for so many kids, for all of our kids that I just like, you know, I just, yeah, I'm with you. I see that the sad face is coming up and it does. It breaks my heart that a teacher has that thinking, but it also tells me that we have a lot of educating to do. Um, there was an article that I've posted a few times. It's not written by me. It's just a great article that talks about the impact of trauma, short, sweet, to the point, 
but we have so much to do to educate people with regards to just how big the impact of trauma can be and that our kids have special needs, that they have very sensitive, that it's not that they are calloused. It's not that, it's not that they're calloused. It's not that Mac was calloused. He was hurt. He was hurt and he was sad and he was sad for a long time. And then people just thought he was bad. So he said, fine, you think I'm bad. I'm just going to be bad. And how wonderful, how wonderful that Sid said, tell me more. Tell me more. It is magical. That phrase, tell me more. I remember um, when I first met Brian Post, a phrase that he often used was, and what happened next? And what else? You know, you start telling a story and sometimes, you know, we come quick to close. You know, we're not used to pouring out and pouring out. And there's just something really sweet about somebody who says, and what next? What happened next? Tell me more. So, assumptions can be deadly. They can kill people's spirit devastate their souls so if you've not already done so to stay put pause on everything because you know just hearing a story like that and then you know those words are hurtful words those hurt words are hurtful words and maybe those may be words that you hear your children using against or about a peer and they may be words that you can imagine somebody saying about your own child and that hurts it hurts. Hurts to think that. So they definitely need extra, extra doses. When they especially if they're going to school and coming home, or when they're doing their thing over here and you're doing your thing over here when you come back together. About 20 minutes just to connect, just to reconnect, just to get back into alignment with each other, back into your groove. 20 minutes of time in after any significant separation can be so magical. They need to feel our unconditional love. They need to feel how much we are for them, how much we are on their side, how much we are fans of them. You know, yesterday we talked about make sure that you make time. Make sure you make time for them to do things where they shine because it may not be their academics. They may not be um, able to be on teams because some kids, it's just too hard. You know, all that instruction and all that coaching and all that direction for a child who's kind of defended, um, who may not have the best social skills and all that can be a piece of trauma. You know, um, they really need for us to be their biggest cheerleaders. So press pause on all the teaching, all the stressing, all the things you may have been fretting about. Just push pause on all of it. Take some deep breaths. Get your heart repositioned to go pour love into them. Relationship is the vehicle for connection. Connection is the vehicle for creating more calm in the brain. The more calm we have in the brain, those hormones that are connected with relationship, the hormones that are connected with safety and security, the hormones of being in a safe, trusted, loving relationship, those hormones, one, if there has been pre-birth and early life trauma, that pathway hasn't been adequately exercised and built. 
So the love that you pour into them is actually building a piece of their brain and that very piece of the brain and that very hormone can actually calm the stress hormones that so quickly and easily flood their brains because of them being so sensitive. It's the sensitivity. It's the sensitivity. Mac was a sensitive child. He was a sensitive child with a hurt heart. So go spend time with your babies. Let the love you have for them shine from your eyes. Let them feel it from your body. Let them feel it from your heart. And uh, play is their favorite language. So play with them. Go spend some time playing with them. Let them tell you what character character to be in the make-believe game or what to build when you're building Legos. or Let them make up a recipe out of whatever. And as long as it's edible, then it's going to be edible. Might not taste all that great. Who knows? But it can be great fun. This is about fun. This is about just pouring into each other. This isn't about perfection. It's just about building that relationship, that trust, that bottom foundation, because that's where everything's going to grow from. And remember, at any given moment, we can act out of our blueprints of stress and fear and overwhelm. Or we can take one to two to three deep breaths and we can choose love. Much love to you guys. Have a blessed evening and we'll see you all tomorrow.